We are two days away from Giants football, and I can barely contain my excitement. It's almost here. We're, we're doing it. We are. We're, we made it. I never thought it was going to happen. I don't want to get too involved in it yet because we have other things we want to get to before our main course of the Giants. But I just, I have to talk about, I have to say something about it right off the bat because I am way too excited. Yeah, we need to tease it. We can get yeah. people real. We are going to get, we're going to, you know, give a, uh, a meaty discussion of the Giants, get you ready for week one. But we want to kind of, there's some talk about, you know, the rest of stuff that's going on in New York sports. We'll get that out of the way. Just a few things we want to, you know, uh, discuss. And then we will, you know, we'll savor some Giants talk later, later in the show. That's right. Yeah, we're going to look, we're going to have a salad, not like a, like a bougie, like healthy salad with a lot of stuff in it. Like we're talking right. about a wedge, a wedge salad, right, you know, a just nice the, salad, just what you need, <laughs> then some appetizers, then we'll get to the main course. I like it. All right. So what a tasty appetizer we have. The bats are awake in New York City. Yes. Cashman's address, as it will be known from now on. <laughs> has awakened the slumbering New York Yankees um, as, you know, we knew it would. (laughs) I mean, the man is a master motivator. There's just no other, you know. I I think you and I were joking about this earlier in the week. You know, the Yankees were in kind of an epic slide. The season seemed like it was, you know, in real danger of slipping away from them. You know, they've been dealing with these injuries. They just look terrible. Pitching's been bad. And I'm seeing on Twitter that, you know, Brian Cashman, of all people, you know, wanted to speak to the team. Um, Brian Cashman, you know, for those who aren't aware or don't know, are familiar with him, maybe one of the least inspiring figures I could conceive of to come in and rally the troops. But um, it's also it's something so funny about the GM stepping in, in in those kind of situations, just because, you know, he is the guy who put the team together. And I just always wonder what the manager thinks of that. You know, it's just such a funny, it's such a funny instinct to be like, I put, God, you know, damn it. <laughs> What's happening with these guys? I know this team is good, you know, and he feels that he needs to go down there and address them. But look, it's worked. They've run, run off three straight wins. Um, and they look a little bit more like the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's an inspirational genius. Uh, <laughs> and... And there's nothing, I mean, I feel very confident in that statement. If you look at Brian Cashman, you certainly aren't looking at a at a general or a, a, a man that you think, now there is my leader. Right. So the only way the only way that he's been able to spark this turnaround is just through sh- sheer motivational genius. That's the only way to explain it. Yeah, I mean, and, and oh, go ahead. Well, and the credit has to go to him because, I mean, it's so funny because you, you, you know, you kind of texted me that we should do a segment on how silly uh, Cashman, (laughs) it was like, right, Cashman wanted to motivate them. And it's totally turned around. I mean, (laughs) since the speech, the games could not have gone better. Right. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, I was, this segment, when I proposed it three days ago, I was envisioning what a laugh I was going to have at the the continued struggles of the New York Yankees. And here we are, they've won three straight. You know, when you actually look at it, their run differential is like plus 23, which is pretty darn good. You know, they're probably about to turn around. They're going to make the playoffs. And with Garrett Cole, you know, they'll probably be dangerous when they get there. So 
I, I feel well, like you know it's funny the thing about a weekly show is every time we talk we even touch on baseball everything has completely changed <laughs> yeah well and especially in this season like it's crazy You're right we have single-handedly shifted the fortunes of the mets and the yankees like what and the yank and the mets too what did they score like 18 runs last night i was they looking did, at that yeah. for like five minutes this morning to make sure that i was really seeing what i was seeing yeah i mean they're finally starting to win some games when Degrom pitches which is like you how i don't understand why it's so difficult for them to do that um there was some stat they were saying on the game during the game last year that that i mean last night that over the last three years the mets had been like 12 games under 500 in games that Degrom starts which is just That's unbelievable. i mean it's, i mean it's a statistical you know almost impossibility right um here's a guy with an era that's been under two for three straight seasons you know i mean it, it it's almost not fathomable that you you know forget his his record like okay maybe he's not getting the wins because he's leaving and it's two to one or one you know whatever but for them to be losing the games it's just i don't know no it's it's really it is unbelievable for a pitcher that good to for them to lose that many games that he starts is unbelievable it really is i don't know but the mets look pretty good i mean i feel like they at least there's a season here they're going to be at least you know only because of this whole expanded playoffs but at least because of it they're going to be relevant with the la- you know it's so w- weird this season you know really there's what 20 15 20 games left right um baseball season's almost over so the time is now it sure is and the time is ripe for the yankees because it's funny when uh, getting back to them for a second when you were talking about doing this segment this week and i was kind of you know putting some thoughts together and trying to figure out what i wanted to say it's so funny how you look at certain things and what i was once pessimistic about is i'm now optimistic about so I was going to say like, oh, great. We're getting Gio back on Tuesday, but he's not Judge or Stanton. And then we're, we might get Judge or Stanton back by next weekend. We might get them back. And by then it's probably going to be too late. The Orioles were kind of nipping at our heels. So were the Mariners. Uh, and I was looking, all, looking at all of it in a pretty negative context. Then all of a sudden the Mets beat the Orioles. The Yankees snapped their losing streak. They win three in a row, and now all of a sudden, my my mindset has gone to, oh my god, the bats are alive. Glaber has woken up, and DJ LeMahieu have woken up, and they've been okay. Like they haven't been terrible. They've still been hitting two fifty, so it's not. They haven't been like Gardner, Hicks, Talkman, guys like that have just gone totally in the tank. Voight, whatever. But now the other bats have woken up, and now it totally shifts the perspective. So now it's like, okay, we get Gio back on Tuesday. Then by the following weekend, we have Judge and Stanton back. Then we're killing it at the end of the season. And then who cares if we stay in the eight seed? We only have to win two out of three against the Rays and Garrett Cole will be pitching one of those two games. And all of a sudden, we're back in business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, any team that lost a judge and Stanton for a significant time should struggle. I mean, I would say with the Yankees, they still have plenty of talent, but they, they really shouldn't. This swoon is kind of is beyond um you know it does it does come with you know torres has not been nearly as good as he was last year he's really struggled gary sanchez has been oh sanchez yeah um like so bad um he's such a strange player i mean you know he's had he's sometimes so good and then you know he's he seems like a strange personality um 
you know, I know he and uh, Girardi used to butt heads. Um, and he just hasn't been the player the last couple of years that I think everybody was hoping he was going to be. Um, yeah, he's a weird dude. Because, again, it still shows up in flashes. You know, like, you count him out, and then all of a sudden he comes up as a pinch hitter, hits a home run. Like, just a weird dude. Yeah, weird Yeah, player. I mean, he's just got a ton of power, but he's becoming one of those hitters that's really feast or famine. He doesn't get on base a ton. Um, you know, doesn't walk enough and doesn't hit for average anymore. So, I don't know. It's, you know, I you know, hope he, this isn't who he's going to be. Um, yeah. But he's getting old enough where, you know, it might be. I still don't get baseball injuries. We kind of touched on this a little while ago, but, you know, just with, with Judge and Stanton, I'm not doubting the validity of their injuries i just want to understand them like if my calf felt like giancarlo stanton's right now would the pain be so excruciating that i'd passed out or would i feel basically fine because i'm not putting the amount of strain on my calves that he does like i legitimately don't know the answer to that right i don't know either like Like, yeah i know what you mean it's like they're all they're just they do seem more cautious in baseball then, like guys, don't necessarily battle. I mean, I'm sure maybe that I'm sure if I was if I said that to a major league baseball player, he'd probably spit in my face. <laughs> but <laughs> like, you have no idea the pain we play with. Um, but it does seem like they tend to shut guys down and wait until things are totally. You know what I mean? They don't seem to battle through injuries in the way other sports are, and, and maybe that's because they play so many games and you know, you, you just have to like take care of stuff and get it done. Otherwise you're just never going to, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you got to get a guy through one game a week um, and get him ready to play one game a week. He's got to be there every day. Uh, so I don't know. No, I a hundred percent know what you're saying and I completely agree. And I'm not questioning anybody's toughness. And even if I was questioning somebody's toughness, I would still readily admit that probably any major league baseball player is tougher than me. Right, But like, I just know pretty much any NFL injury I hear about, I know that I would nearly go blind from the pain. Yeah, Like, you know, like (laughs) Eli Manning had an AC joint injury in his shoulder back in like 2005 or six. And I also had a similar injury and I went to a doctor and the doctor told me basically don't ever really lift heavy again in your upper body. Right. And <laughs> then you could kind of avoid surgery. You'll be okay. And I did just that. And I lost like a ton of weight. Eli had the same thing and he didn't miss a game. Right. So like I, you know, I know any football injury likely would just like totally put me out of commission, but I genuinely don't understand like how much pain is Stanton in. And I not questioning. I'm just, I don't know. Right. Like your doctor, it's like you are you are changed for life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Eli yeah. played literally another ten seasons. Yeah. Um, like unaffected. Yeah. You know, we just professional <laughs> yeah. athletes are just another species, and we, you know, I always kind of tell one of the things to like tell people that how much they underestimate just how freakish professional athletes are is that like Eli Manning can dunk. You know. Um, right. When he was a young man, he would jam. You know, all the time, and it would. I mean, you would never expect that, but you know, he's six. He's and he's not like he's six ten. You know, he's six four or whatever. He yeah. can elevate and jam. You know, I saw a video the other day of Dustin Johnson, professional golfer, dunking. You know, and he was like throwing it off the backboard. You know, these guys are just they, even the ones that you don't 
think of as the crazy athletes are crazy athletes and their bodies are different. But, you know, I mean, that is the point, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, who looks like Hercules, um, is somehow felled by, by a calf strain, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. And I guess I definitely if he's don't back want to question by his next... toughness and certainly not to his face. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would say it's fair to say that for the life of this podcast, anything negative we have to say about any of ath- any professional athlete, we would never say to their face. Right. Most likely. <laughs> right. Well, it goes without saying. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and again, uh, I don't really care as long as he's back by next weekend and uh, I'll just be thrilled and then yeah. bring on anyone in the postseason. Yeah, I know. I think we you know we're set up for a little fun little stretch run with baseball here. Yeah. And then obviously next time we're at our Ernie's in Darien, Connecticut, I will happily buy Brian Cashman uh, a beer and a shot. Yes. right. Uh, for his motivational right. you know, speech. Hopefully we'll see him there. Never know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to jump to the Knicks or we got anything else for baseball? Yeah, no, let's, let's do the Knicks very quick. Um, you know, we, uh, I'm sure you've been hearing that the priority number one for the Knicks this off season has become trading Julius Randall. And, and I just wanted to get your reaction because I can only imagine that you're thrilled. <laughs> I mean, this is the most I've agreed with the Knicks front office <laughs> in maybe 20 to 25 years. Yeah. I, you know, I couldn't be more excited. I, as you know, on I think the very f- opening night of the la- of last uh, season, I declared on a group text with you and our friend Matt that uh, Julius Randle stinks, right. and <laughs> I've never backed off that position. And evidently, Leon Rose agrees with me. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, you know, basketball is that funny sport where, <clears throat> um, you know. Because the way bad teams are, you know, somebody has to score, somebody has to get rebounds. <laughs> and so yeah. you can look at guys and be like, well, he averages 20 points, 10 rebounds, and shoots a decent percentage. And it's just like, right, but no, that's not what – you have to watch it. And I feel like Julius <laughs> Randle is the ultimate of that, where I was just like, when he was on the Pelicans, didn't watch a lot, ton of Julius Randle. You know, he was last year, I mean, the year before he joined the Knicks, he averaged like 20 and 10 and, you know, he shot like pretty high percentage. So it was just like, all right, you know, decent pickup. Um, but watching him play is torture. Um, just torture. Oh, awful. I mean, he just, everything he does is infuriating. He yeah. doesn't, he doesn't find open shooters, especially not RJ Barrett. There was some weird dynamic with them that was on the court. And I don't know if it extended to off the court as well, but he just was like, would not pass to, to RJ Barrett. It seemed like, yeah. And you know, his whole offensive game was just like, do some really ugly things and then dribble it off your foot. Right. <laughs> like right. no one was just ever more miscast as a number one option than Julius Randall. But the other problem with him is just that like, once he, when he's not the number one option, it's sort of like, well, what, what is he going to do? Cause he's, kind of does need the ball to score and it's not like he's a great shooter he's not a particularly great defender Um, he's not even that good of a passer no he's not a he's not a good passer at all so he doesn't he's not he doesn't translate back that well into a complimentary player from being like a a, you know a top scorer on the team so i i mean i just yeah i totally agree with them you know (laughs) i do feel bad i can't even imagine what that's like 
being <laughs> these human beings, you know, and just like looking at Twitter and it's like priority number one, shipping right? this guy <laughs> out of town. <laughs> Is that that's me? Right. Yeah. No, that's so true. <laughs> that's so true. Not even like lose your job, but just like make someone else employ you in a totally right. different spot of the country. Right. We're moving. You're you know. moving. Pack your bags. <laughs> but they're right, unfortunately. Um, and then if they could get that contract off, you know, with their young players that they do have, and maybe some they could get some decent veterans. I mean, I just think that's totally right. That is the first thing they got to do this offseason is figure out how to unload Julius Randle onto some other poor, unsuspecting team who is also just looking at his box scores. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, just to summarize the scouting report you just gave on Julius Randle, not good at scoring, not good at defense, not good, <laughs> not good at passing. <laughs> really, just not good. He's just right. not good but, at any of those things. You know, weirdly effective in some way. You know, then you look up and it's like, oh, he had 20 and 10 and couple of steals or whatever right right. somebody's got to score those points yeah i mean that is that's that's kind of the unfortunate thing with basketball it can be really misleading yeah now i i'm just relieved that their priority is to get rid of him and i'll be honest i don't even necessarily care what we get back for him as long as it's not something insane or something that sort of like franchise crushing but I don't think that the haul in return to him needs to be that good, provided we could just offload him and it'll be a step towards starting fresh. Do you agree with that? Or do you think we should be looking to kind of get something specific for him? No, I don't, you know, he's not good enough. You can't expect, and and especially when, you know, you're clearly telegraphing how badly you want him out of there. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's, you know, he doesn't have a, a crazy contract, but it's certainly not cheap either. So, yeah, you got to take what you get. Yeah, now it seems like the most likely, or at least the, uh, I don't know if it's the most likely outcome, but the uh, what kind of came along with this news initially that the Knicks were prioritizing getting rid of him is that we might ship him off to Utah in exchange for Mike Connolly, who, who does have an enormous contract, but he's only got one year left on it. Uh, he's certainly not Chris Paul, which... There's been some trade rumors uh, around him. I mean, I'm not sorry. Yeah, some trade rumors around him. But I think that uh, some other news came out this week that's pretty clear if Chris Paul is going to leave OKC, he would probably go to either Milwaukee or Philadelphia. I doubt he would want to come to us. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Mike Conley, like, you know, it's so funny. Normally I would be, these aren't, that's not the type of move I would want, you know, kind of high-priced veteran. The Knicks have been down that road so you know so many times but because they do have a lot of decent they have this like little core of young players that they're developing you know and it's not a long-term deal getting somebody like mike conley assuming you don't have to give up too much of the any draft goodies or whatever you know a veteran guy who's still pretty good and you know he would fit in with what they're trying to do like he could improve them a little bit i think they you know there's two schools of thought with the Knicks. Should they take another year where they just bottom out and try to get another draft pick, you know, which they could do. And I think if they started the season and saw that, look, we're, we're just not any good. They should certainly, they shouldn't fight that if that was to happen. But I also don't think they would be the worst thing in the world for them to try to be a decent team, have their young guys get some decent experience, play with a guy like Mike Conley. So I wouldn't be like um, upset with that. Yeah, I have no issue with it at all, honestly. Uh, I think 
you bring on Mike Connolly. See, the difference is too, it's not it's not some big crazy deal. He, he's an expiring contract, basically. He makes You're a right. ton of money, but we're also, I don't think that there's necessarily a plan to go out and get some big time free agent this offseason anyway, because I don't really think there's a major one out there. Uh, so we take on his contract. You know, he was hurt for a good part of this year too. So it probably buys us a little bit of time or it gives us some flexibility with the draft anyway. If we want to take a point guard and have that point guard learn from Connolly, I think that's fine. If we want to see what Tom Thibodeau can do with uh, Nilakita and have him kind of play alongside Connolly, uh, I think that would be fine too. And then it allows us to draft somebody else, like that kid out of Florida State, uh, who I'm that's kind of the guy I'm hoping they take as of now, although I can't say I have a whole lot of expertise on it. Uh, just a 3 and D kind of floor spacing guy that, you know, in a year where we have the eighth pick in a suspect draft, just seems like a nice piece that you take and then we'll kind of see what the future brings. Um, it's certainly not like exciting or a road to a championship, but it certainly feels like we're on a road to getting better. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think that's exactly the approach they should take. And, and you know, look, it's going to be still, you know, some more, a long road to hoe here, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just think continuing to develop a little bit, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm willing to be patient with the Knicks um, at least this time around, even though look, they've, ex- they've, uh, extended all our patiences, but <laughs> they, they have at least something where with between the front office, the coach, some young talent, it's like, okay, as long as they don't do something horrendously stupid, you know, like I'm willing to, to take things slow here, which I hope I would, you know, I hope they realize, you know, I hope they, that's the vibe that they're getting from people. And that, that's the approach they take. You never know. Yeah, no, I and I agree with you, but I will just say, at least in my mind, if they successfully offload Julius Randle this offseason, they have bought themselves credibility at least through the next trade deadline. Yeah, I know. Just not having to see him would be a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would be I would be thrilled with that. So, uh, I mean, honestly, this is the most opti- optimistic I felt about the Knicks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, in forever. Whether it's warranted or not, uh, it's still it's something. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, it's pretty easy if you're a new GM, come in and just get rid of the most hated player in the franchise. Yeah. Seems like a good move every time. <laughs> good recommendation. Right. So maybe we'll so, use, uh, speaking of, you know, we'll use um, eliminating players um, to maybe pivot to uh, talking about the G-men here. Yes. Yes, indeed. In fact, the opposite, right? Getting rid of beloved players, it seems like. Yes, you're right. Uh, would you like to take the lead on this one? Sure. All right. Yeah. I mean, uh, to the Giants, as we, you know, let's just get into it. We're we're talking Giants. Or, and you've uh, you guys have sat through the appetizer. The uh, all right. <laughs> the opening let's band. Eat the, main <laughs> the opener is there. Let's get to the Giants. Um, Giants are getting ready for Week One, so we haven't had a chance to talk since they they finished out the roster um and the giants you know <laughs> surprised everybody by sort of making news with their um <laughs> their final roster and the big one was that they cut linebacker ryan Connolly out of wisconsin a mighty badger who showed a lot of promise <laughs> last year um you know played well in limited time but then suffered a torn acl was trying to come back this year and Joe Judge did not see enough and cut Mr. Connolly. And the Giants fans 
were outraged. Furious. Yeah. And, you know, Judge, I think, you know, we've been a little suspicious of him, but for the most part, the fans, I mean, and this is, I'm literally just going by like Twitter and what I've seen elsewhere, have responded pretty well to Judge. You know, I think people like this sort of, you know, he's going to get tough with these guys, these millionaires, and whip <laughs> them into shape. And this was the first time that he's faced a little backlash from the fans. Um, and they did not like this move. What did you think? Here's what I think. I think the thing about Connolly is he's white. Right. And, <laughs> and, just, and just to be clear, if you are white and you like Connolly because he's white, I don't think that makes you a racist. Right. I think it's... <laughs> It's perfectly normal to look up to people that are like you, which is right. why I also think it's very important to put Harriet Tubman on money on the $20 right. bill like that's been proposed or why I think it's great that LeBron James is involved in all kinds of social justice and, and a voting rights program and things like that. It's important to have role models, a diverse array of role models in society because people right. are usually going to look up to people that are like them why I liked Danilo Gallinari back in the day. Why you love Danilo Gallinari. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's why I loved Dean Kane. Right. Even though <laughs> he was a pretty terrible actor and as it turns out, a pretty terrible person also. Right. But he's a quarter Japanese. I'm half Japanese. He played Superman, who is my favorite superhero, opposite right. Terry Hatcher, who is by far the sexiest Lois Lane of all time. Right. Uh, and it's why he was a quarter Japanese. I'm a half Japanese. I looked up to Dean Kane. So there's nothing wrong with it. If if you like Ryan Connolly because he's white and because you're white, I think that's pers- that's perfectly <laughs> fine. It doesn't make you a racist, but also understand that that is why you like Ryan Connolly so much. Right, right. That it's definitely he, part of it. Yeah, he only played two games for the Giants. And like his best game was against the Redskins, which puts him in the same category as Anyone else in the NFL who played the Redskins last year? Uh, I mean, they were terrible. It's just the reaction to me has been so funny. I just feel like Giants Twitter, it's not even just that they're upset that Connolly got cut. They're acting like he is the Griswolds when they arrive at Wally World at the end of National Lampoon's vacation. It's like (laughs) the reaction has been like, how could you do this to him? He worked so hard and he came all the way back and then you cut him? How could you do that to him? You crushed his dream. Like Like they owed it to him. Yeah, that's like every guy that got cut. He came all the way back from injury. Right, they all have a story, yeah. What was he supposed to do? Of course he came back. Yeah. You know, I will say this. It does remind me a little bit of like when you're a bad team, like, you know, back in the day with the Knicks, people used to be like arguing about Chris Copeland's minutes or like, you know, Pablo Prugioni's not playing enough. And, you know, you're always like when we're debating this kind of stuff, it's just like we're not any good. So when you're really upset about Ryan Connolly, it's like, dude, we stink. Um, Right. If this is somebody that we're worried about. Um, But, you know, the only thing I'll say in Connolly – to the defense of people who are kind of outraged about it is just that like he wasn't a high pick. He was a fifth round pick, but there was an immediate sort of, Oh, that's a good pick. He was really productive in college kind of thing. Um, and then he came, you know, and then he had a good camp and he was good in preseason. And then he finally got to start and he, he played very well. So people got attached to him and definitely the blue collar white guy, tough inside linebacker thing is, is appealing to the giants core fan base. Yeah. Um, And I think there's just a feeling of like, 
why? You know, why can't you keep this guy that people liked, who had some promise, who, um, you know, was a position where we've been really weak for a long time. He seemed potentially he could be the first kind of playmaker we've had there in a long time. Like, why? You know, <laughs> and, and then you look at who they did keep. And it's and it doesn't blow you away where you're like, well, they couldn't, they just couldn't find a roster spot for this guy. You know, they kept like four tight ends. They the linebackers they did keep don't jump off the page. You know, um, so I get where people are sort of reacting that way of just like, why did we liked him? You know, there's just this guy <laughs> that we liked, and you're just like, get you know, for seemingly no reason. Yeah, and I, I do understand that. And again, I don't have a bone to pick with Connolly necessarily. I, I agree. I did think he was really good in those couple of games last year. And I'm more just laughing at the intensity of the reaction. Yeah, like, people sure. just got way upset. You know, the re- I will say, though, he didn't have a good camp. And what I mean by that is he missed five practices. And, you know, he I, I didn't necessarily hear he was bad in the, in the times he practiced, but he also didn't appear to be catching anyone's attention either. And look, especially in a season like this, anyone who misses five days of camp had a bad camp, almost no matter how you played in the rest of the time at camp. Like if Daniel Jones had missed five days of camp, he wouldn't get cut, obviously, but we would be talking about how Daniel Jones had a really suspect camp. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, he's coming off a major injury and you have a new staff who's not invested in him at all. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just a little surprised that as a franchise, they weren't like, you know, the Giants do seem like a team that could afford to keep around a young, talented player who's coming back from an injury just because they they don't want to give up on him yet. Um, You know what I mean? Like, they're not about to win this year. They're not desperate for that spot. Um, Right, and the spot went to two seventh-round picks, basically. They kept two (laughs) seventh-rounders from this year, so. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, but, but I mean, I agree with you with the intensity of the reaction. Um, and I think you're on to something for sure about why that intensity is so strong. Um, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong is. with it. Right. It's fine. Yeah. You're allowed. You're from a white guy from New Jersey. This guy, you know, reminds yeah. you yourself when you were suiting up for Bergen Catholic and, you know. Right. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But and, that's and also why like, you're so upset. Right. <laughs> Just admit it in your heart. Um, and right. And then move on and deal with it. And it's fine. You're allowed to yeah. have heroes too. Exactly. Yeah. I, I totally I guess the agree. opposite of this, so we get in this, it, you know, the other guy that kind of caused a little bit of stir and, and it doesn't have any of the, um, this attached to it, but Corey Coleman, um, the wide receiver, former first round pick came over from, uh, the Browns has also had battled a bunch of injuries and really serious ones. Um, but with a real speedster coming out of college, he gets cut. I think similarly it caused a weird overreaction. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, to me, it's like this guy's had some real injuries. He's sort of a knucklehead to begin with. Um, I get, I think that's just sort of, he was a name. He was a first round pick. You're just kind of like, well, why give up on that guy given and again, a similar thing where you look at the giants wide receivers and you're not like, well, we're all set there. Um, we don't right. need any, you know, uh, so it seems odd that they would, you know, but he probably doesn't play special teams. Probably didn't look that great. I mean, I totally, I don't, I don't see any issue. I'm not going to give them any hard time over Corey Coleman being shown the door. 
No. At, do you remember Corey Coleman from being on the Browns Hard Knocks? Yes. Some silly, like, silly incident, but I don't quite remember what it was. Well, uh, so I actually, uh, I found the video on YouTube. I posted it on Twitter. Now might be a good time to uh, quickly just plug our, our social media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Giants AM Podcast and on Instagram at Giants AM Podcast. And then Brian and I individually, Brian is B. Demena on Twitter. And I am Ish11. That's I-S-H, the number one, and then spell out O-N-E-1. Uh, <laughs> Are you sure that's not your password? Or <laughs> <laughs> Could be. It could be both. Right. Who knows? Right. Uh, but also his banking password. So if anybody... <laughs> <laughs> anyone who wants $7, right. go ahead and sign into my bank account. Uh so uh, I posted the clip from Twitter. I've posted the clip from YouTube onto Twitter. But basically, so uh, one of the episodes of Hard Knocks opens with Corey Coleman showing us almost an entire floor of his home dedicated to shoes. And he sort of is like bordering on insane when he's talking about how some of the shoes he never wears. And then he donates to charity so that uh, poor single mothers will also have nice shoes to wear, which, <laughs> you know, it's thoughtful, I guess. Right. I admire like, the sentiment, but yeah, it's <laughs> nice to give people luxury items sometimes to make them feel special, but it's also a weird cause to take up when there's so right. real suffering in the world. Right. <laughs> so, and then he They're transitioned like, to just that. like some food to eat. <laughs> I got you these <laughs> shoes. Oh, these are good too. <laughs> right. right. And then they just showed a montage of Corey Coleman getting screamed at by Todd Haley, who was the Browns offensive coordinator, former, former head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, and Bill Parcell's disciple. So you can only imagine the tone. And it was the, the clips were just funny. It was just Todd Haley going, come on, Corey, Corey, Corey. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and right. then it ends with Corey Coleman storming into Hugh Jackson's office demanding a trade. Right. <laughs> so he seemed like just an odd bird, I think. Right. And then you factor in like serious injuries. I mean, how can you really blame anybody for deciding that this isn't the guy? Right. <laughs> right. We could do, you know, do a we little could, better. Well, yeah, Corey we Coleman. can suck with Corey Coleman or we can suck without him. <laughs> I think I'd, oh, <laughs> let's go be terrible without him. Right. So, and again, I think both guys, you know, they got cut. It's it's too bad. I'm not certainly not like thrilled either one of them got cut. I wasn't rooting against either guy, but I also just felt like it was uh the 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 reaction was a pretty big freak out. Yeah. I you know, it's just interesting cuz again, I think it, the the judge has come in and, and I think established, you know, a lot of credibility with the fan base right away. Um and it was interesting that this it didn't take that much, though, for people to kind of be like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, right. Like, uh, <laughs> and I'm surprised it was this, um, these moves. But anyway. As a, as a um, Joe Judge hater from the start, which is what I feel that you are. Okay. <laughs> I, it's fun. I just feel like, you know, probably whenever we evaluate whether we like or dislike an NFL coach. You know, here's the thing about Judge, too, is he elicits a reaction from people, right? All he had to do was cut a white linebacker, and everybody who loved him suddenly hated him for, like, a couple right. hours, right. you know? And I think a lot of times it comes down to, like, at least Judge garners a reaction from people where, like, Shermer and McAdoo were just, like, pieces of unbuttered toast. 
Right. You know, well, something sure, about Judge. Sure. McAdoo is like was a strange bird. I mean, yeah, just that's from true. The, the introductory press conference where he was like wearing his dad's suit that didn't right. fit, and then the right. weird decision in year two when he's coming off eleven and five to change his hair to this like duck's ass slicked back, just bizarre look where you were like, "What are you doing?" Um, he was just a strange, strange individual. Yeah, that's true. I guess like between his introduction and the Adam Gase crazy eyes, it's been quite a Quite a decade yeah, in New what York. Is, what is going on? I know. We have really weird weird humans coaching New York football <laughs> teams. Yeah, that's true. All right. Week one, Brian. Yes. Week one. The Steelers are coming to New York. How do you feel? Well, I, you know, and, and this goes into Judge. That, you know, there's been this feeling, I think, at least I'm picking up on fans that there's an optimism about around the giants that I think stems from, from judge and Daniel Jones, that Daniel Jones was a lot better than we ever thought, you know, last year, he looked really athletic and good. He did some really exciting things. And even though there was some ugliness, the fumbles, you know, I think people are excited to see what he's going to do. And then you have this young coach who was a bit of an unknown, um, comes in he's you know shaking things up a little bit people like it um and so there's this feeling like hey you know maybe that we're turning around they've remade the roster there's a lot of young players and then you're kind of just smacked in the face with this week one matchup where you're kind of like are we about to get our ass kicked on national television (laughs) you know what i mean like is this about to be just this huge wake-up call where you know, you start reading about the Steelers and the Steelers feel really good about their roster and they have a lot of talent and Ben Roethlisberger is back. And OK, there's some, you know, you, there's reason to think that is he going to just slide right back in and be the Ben Roethlisberger he's always been? He's definitely older. He's coming off a major injury. But I am, you know, there is definitely a part of me that is like, is this just about to be a pantsing on Monday Night Football to start <laughs> this Joe Judge era and make us all be kind of like, right, this team is a long way away. I, I don't know. Like, is, what's your feeling? Okay, well, before we get into that, I just want to give me, so let's play Goldilocks and the Three Bryans. Okay. <laughs> give me, Give me what you see. Just forgetting the the Steelers specifically for just a minute. What do you see as the best case outcome for the season, the worst case outcome for the season, and what's the porridge that's just right? Well, I could see my best case. I could see us, you know, some of these defenders that nobody's talking about, that we don't know a whole lot about, being good. Some of the young players taking big steps forward and Jones being good, you know, the offensive line gelling right away and they're a decent team. And maybe we go, you know, nine and seven and we're in the playoff hunt. Um, my, I think if things went pretty well, you, you know, I think a seven and nine would be a season where I'd go like, okay, you know, that we looked, that was some progress. And but then you know I could definitely see us being one of the worst teams in the NFL and it being depressing in that you know you know what I mean where in a way that's like not oh but we've got this or that where it's like boy we're bad 
Yeah, where like, <laughs> right, the wheels come off and it becomes like a chicken and egg sort of thing where it's like Jones is hurt, Andrew Thomas is hurt, uh, Peppers is hurt. No one has like any sort of career threatening injury, but they're just not playing pretty much anymore. And then it's like, well, are we not playing well because of the injuries or were we just terrible? And then of course the injuries tend to follow when that that's you. Like that just kind of disgusting ugliness is and is, not even injuries, but where you know Andrew Thomas isn't that is a rookie at playing left tackle, most yeah, one of the most important positions on the field, and he's just not ready. And then you know the um the right tackle they have um Cam Fleming, yeah, Cam Fleming is not effective, and the, you know Will Hernandez seemed like some people felt like he took a step back last year. Maybe he's not so great. Um, They've got a lot, you know, they're really counting on Nick Gates to play center and who really knows if he's any good. And then, you know, they've been selling us Lorenzo Carter for a few years now. And, you know, maybe he nothing happens there again. Still really weak at linebacker. Secondary could be a total mess. Um, you know, Dexter Lawrence doesn't is basically the same as he was last year. and He's solid, but not spectacular. And, you know, you're just bad. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> like, I mean, I, you know, it's there. I mean, I just think, and I'm optim. You know, I want to be optimistic. I, I feel like I see the the rose colored picture, and I can I can envision it. I there's some people who are hot on the Giants saying we're going to surprise some people, and I, I I can tell myself a story where that's the case. But you know, I can see, and and, and you know, if that and if it goes that way. You know, man, we find ourselves, you know what I mean? I mean, if God, if Judge is not good and Daniel Jones is takes a step back, I mean, then this franchise is in the abyss. Yeah. You know, I mean, where they really, you know, everything they've been trying to do is to not totally, is to kind of, they're, they're trying to keep a continuity because they've been at times a good franchise, but they will find themselves, you know, in, in a really frightening place. So... He- yeah, and it's With also what note. makes. <laughs> Welcome to week one, everybody. <laughs> We're trying to get you excited about this season. Get you, you know, we want you here every week. <laughs> yeah, right. We just describe the Titanic hitting the iceberg. <laughs> All right, so then I'll 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 switch gears and I'm gonna start to rile I'm gonna start to rile you up. All right, I'm gonna start to get you excited because I, I have some I have some exciting Steelers thoughts. Okay. So. First, I want to jump back to what you said earlier. I don't know why everyone seems to be penciling in Roethlisberger as still really good. That I, you know, I feel like there is a general expectation nationally that like, oh, well, like I feel like the Steelers are getting plenty of Super Bowl buzz to even win their division. And they're in the same division as the Ravens. Um, and I think it's all resting on the assumption like, oh, well, Roethlisberger's back. I mean, yes, he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. There's no question about it. But let's also not forget that, you know, his famous draft class of Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, and Eli, Eli's out of the league now. Rivers is on his second team after what everyone sort of felt was like his final year, or or he's already passed his elite days where he's now, you know, dropping off and he's got to become a guy who relies a lot more on his on his stuff rather than his fastball. And, you know, he's entered that part of his career. Roethlisberger is coming off a major injury. He had no preseason games. 
you know, his probably his second best receiver on his team is a rookie that he has almost no experience with whatsoever. He's got a new quarterbacks coach. I don't know why we're penciling Roethlisberger in to still be like a very high level quarterback. And it's not to say that he shouldn't be feared. It's not to say that he's not good at all, but I don't think that we're getting, we're not getting big Ben of like 2012 in here. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm definitely not penciling him in as he's going to, you know, march right in and be great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's, he's a definite question mark. You know, all reports are he looks good and he seems to be in decent shape, um, which is important for him probably at this stage in his career. But I agree with you. Like, you know, Eli, look, let's face it, he fell off. Rivers was not good last year and his team actually, the coach seemingly didn't want him there anymore. Yeah. Um, And Roethlisberger was really great the last full season he played, but there were some, you know, weird moments in there. He had some pretty bad games. Um, He did put up huge numbers, so I'm not going to really quibble on that, but um, I think there's definitely reason to imagine he gets off to a slow start here. Um, and, and, and look, I'm not, I don't need the giants to win this game. Really? You know, I really don't. I, yeah, I just like true. to see, I'd like to see the people I, I hope are good play well. I'd like to see them be, you know, competitive. Um, and you look, you know, I mean, I, I think I want to see judge, you know, make good decisions. Like, I think that's important. Um, You know, I think the basis for hiring him is that, you know, that we're going to have really well-managed games um, from a decision-making standpoint. Um, And I want to see that stuff. And and I can take a loss here and and come away feeling okay. So on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the worst, 1 being the best, how upset would you be if we came out of Monday night looking like the Texans did against the chiefs. Right. Where does that, you know, where does that fit on your disappointment scale? Interesting. Um, so I'll buy you some time to think about that answer and I'll explain why I asked the question because honestly, I could sort of see our game with the Steelers playing out in a similar rhythm that the chiefs Texans game played out in on Thursday night. I think at the beginning, the Texans looked pretty good. They ran the ball pretty well. Their defense was doing a pretty good job of keeping that offense contained. They weren't letting the Chiefs take many deep shots against them. They were staying on top of those receivers. They were more or less containing Mahomes. And I think a lot of the reason they were able to do that was they had all these weird personnel packages out there where they were able to get pressure on Mahomes. And that's something that it sounds like Patrick Graham wants to do. We've definitely heard reports out of camp that they have a lot of packages where it's either only Leonard Williams and Dexter, uh, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams out there as defensive linemen. And everybody else is a, is a skilled defensive player, or they only have Leonard Williams out there and everybody else out there is a, you know, skill level defensive player. Um, And the, the Texans were doing really well against the chiefs. Then the Chiefs started to play with some bigger personnel and fewer wide receivers out there or wide receivers that were kind of lining up as running backs. And then that made the Texans defense a lot more vanilla. And then they just, at that point, they couldn't stop the Chiefs anymore. And I think that we'll see something similar, most likely. I know that uh, the Steelers have a new quarterbacks coach, this guy, Matt Canada. Matt Canada is a pretty big celebrity on X's and O's Twitter. 
uh, X's and O's Twitter loves Matt Canada <laughs> as an offensive coordinator from his time in the college level. Um, he had a stop at LSU. He was stop at Wisconsin. So he's pretty diverse, but he's a guy who uses a lot of jet sweep, crazy motion, make the defense look one way, attack them the other way. Um, he likes to confuse people and he likes to use a lot of two tight end, 12 personnel sets. And that's kind of my worry is that he's going to just like the, just like we saw from the chiefs on Thursday night, he's going to become a little motion crazy. He's going to confuse some of our young defenders and they're going to put two tight ends in the game, which is going to make our personnel on the field a lot more vanilla and, you know, not necessarily the best guys that we want out there all the time. And then that's how they're going to beat us. So I think if it goes bad, I think it'll probably look something similar to the chiefs Texans game. So I don't know what, if that's our performance against the Steelers, where will you be with that? I'll say this. I, there, there's a scenario where the giants lose by like 10 points and I still come away feeling okay about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like they don't have to lose on a field, a field goal at the buzzer for me to feel not terrible about how they played. You know what I mean? So, right. Right. Um, right. It, like if I see them moving the ball, if I see that the defense, not, it's not just them getting scored on at will, but they're, you know, they're making it hard on them. Like, I just think the Steelers are a better team than we are at this point. I think Mike Tomlin's like one of the most underrated coaches in the league. I think he's really great. Um, and, you know, I, so we just, I'm not expecting to win the game. And I even could see us. So, so I guess, you know, and so a loss like what the Texans have, they lost by 14 points, but it wasn't like a total drubbing wouldn't, um, devastate me. I totally agree. And I also think it's less devastating because the Texans were a playoff team last year and they have Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, we were terrible last year and we have Daniel Jones, who I still think has good potential, but he's certainly not in a place in his career where Deshaun Watson is right now. Um, now here's how I think, can I tell you how I think we have a shot against the Steelers? Yes. I'd love to hear it. Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to believe it. I, I, I'm going to make the case. Uh, first of all, the Steelers broke camp with uh, a controversy at right tackle. And I just want to tell you from a coach's perspective, and anytime I use a coach's perspective, look, yes, I coached high school ball in New York for the most part. We're not talking NFL football here. Right. But there's some similarities to the rhythm and the mindset and, and certain things. And I can just tell you that whenever you leave camp, not knowing who your starter is at any position, it's not a good thing. And, you know, there's the old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. I think that honestly applies to any position. And I've I've come out of camp before not knowing who a starter should be. And so you end up, you make a choice, and then the kid that you chose, he's not good. If he was really good, he'd have been the starter all along. You're Usually at the high school level, you don't have two really good players at the same right. position. <laughs> so, like, you know, he's not that good. And then you start him. And he does okay, not great. Sometimes he hurts you, sometimes he doesn't. But he's so—he's not so god-awful that you go to the next kid. And then you never really find out if the next kid was better or not. Because right. they don't get the reps. And then especially as the season goes on, and they're not in the mix nearly as much with like the first team, sometimes you never really know if you made the right choice. Um, and then I've, I've also been in a position where I came out of camp and reluctantly named on kid, the starter. And then luckily he was terrible in the first game. And then you make the switch and then it works out. But 
even when it works out for you like that and you end up eventually knowing who the best guy was, which I still think is pretty rare, you never really feel good about it. So the Steelers can say whatever they want about how excited they are for their starting uh, right tackle and how he earned it and how he won. They are worried about that spot. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And then uh, they're, one of their guards, DeCastro, he's hurt also, so he may not play. So, you know, Steelers are coming in with, a you know, question marks on the offensive line. Uh, if Dave Gettleman is worth anything, he's definitely worked hard to build up our interior defensive line. So if they have a questionable right tackle, a backup guard out there, we need to see Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson work their magic inside and really kind of shut down the Steeler run game. Uh, I don't think that the Lorenzo Carter buzz this year is bogus. I don't know that it's quite as great a situation as people want it to be, but I don't think it's totally bogus. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is uh, if Matt Canada comes in and he brings all his crazy motions and his weird sets and his unbalanced formations and things like that, I think that sometimes, and I know that this is more or less the philosophy of Patrick Graham because he's from that Belichick Saban kind of tree. If you're going to get confused by motions and all that kind of stuff, then just hit him in the mouth. And I don't mean that in like the tough guy sense, but I mean, if our secondary can get up on receivers and play really physical and have safety help over the top, which we should have because we got all these safeties, maybe that's just how we disrupt some of the confusion that the young secondary might be experiencing. Get real physical with them and try and contain their offense when Ben doesn't really have his timing down with some of these guys anyway. Right. That's probably good advice, right? When any time you're confused, just hit somebody. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> and that's, that's probably not the worst thing you could do. <laughs> and then I am just excited. Like, look, we have a murderer's row of defenses to open up this season. Like this Steelers defense is awesome. And then next week we have the Bears and we have to go against Khalil Mack. And then after that, we have uh, uh, Aaron Donald and uh, what's his name? Jalen Ramsey to deal with. And the week after that, we have uh, Nick Bosa to deal with. So, yeah, I mean, it's a brutal opening schedule. My God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I know. We're 0-4 and you, you might not think they've played that badly. Yeah, exactly. But I think at least, look, we want to know how Jones is doing. Well, we're going to find out. Yeah. right away we'll know quickly yeah uh so i don't know i think that's the recipe to win is if the offense can play well and we can slow them down on defense by being real physical and we can establish barkley a little bit just kind of like how again that david johnson it was looking like oh maybe that trade wasn't so bad yeah i know what you mean yeah so i see a pathway to it uh i'm not super confident in it but that's what I'm looking for on Sunday. Or Monday, Monday night. That's right. Sorry, Monday night. Yeah. Well, why don't we wrap up there? I like ending on a on a positive note. Um, I, I'm hoping very much that we'll be back a week from now um, and uh, celebrating a surprising Joe Judge coronation. Um, yes. And uh, should we tease our uh, exciting programming news before we go? Uh. Yes, let's do it. Yeah. So we will be joining this uh, fair podcast. We'll be moving to radio. Um, we're going to be on Radio Free Brooklyn, which I believe you can find at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. Um, and we will be live Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. And then you can listen to the podcast starting Saturday mornings. 
That's right. Did I, so did I get that right? Yes, you got it all right. Uh, everyone will still be able to hear it in podcast form before you watch the Giants every weekend so that you have all of our thoughts, notes, feedback, so forth, all the things you need to watch the Giants game properly. Right. Um, and yeah, we are, Brian, we are on the radio. You and we me, are we are on the it. air. Yeah. We made it. So Thursday mornings on your no longer commutes, um, if you want to just sit in your car, and pretend to drive to work, um, you can listen to us <laughs> then. Or, uh, yeah, Saturday mornings will get you ready for Sundays. Yeah, just just switch it on and make your coffee and enjoy a nice Thursday. You deserve it. You've earned you it. You deserve it. You've earned it. You work hard. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, on that note, we will uh, we'll watch some football tomorrow, and then we'll, we'll have to wait till Monday night, and then we'll see what these Giants – if they're worth anything at all. <laughs> right. Or if it's just going to be negative. I am up to, I am excited. I am, you know, I think there's uh, the optimist take is not insane. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm uh, gearing, steering myself for the punch, I guess. That's right. I'm leaning into the punch. I want to get hit yeah. in the face. Right. I want to feel something yeah. again. Right. Why not? Yeah. Doesn't Let's cost feel you nothing. It costs you nothing. Right. I mean, it's going to cost plenty. Right. <laughs> in therapy if nothing else but right only emotionally yeah all right brian go All giants right, Scott. let's do it <laughs> <laughs>